You are listening to a podcast from The National. A fast-growing Africa could change the face of the aviation industry, and the continent's rising demand for aviation could also lift Africa's economic prospects in the future. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast, coming from The National's newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to the first episode of 2019. Wishing you a very happy new year and blessings for the next 12 months and beyond. Now, I spoke to Hassan Al-Huri, Group CEO of National Aviation Services. He's also the co-author of Fly Africa, which looks at the future of aviation and its economic impact on the continent. NAS provides private commercial services in the Gulf, India, Afghanistan, as well as Africa. And I spoke to him about the prospects for the continent, the many markets there for aviation, what it could mean for the people living there, and how a rising number of tourists from Africa could impact the way the aviation industry operates. So Hassan, I was saying a little bit earlier that um, you're a co-author of a, of a book, Fly Africa. And the premise of this book, uh, which is it's fascinating, that aviation can change Africa, but also Africa can change aviation. So for, for those out there that, that you know, might hear this and say, you know, these are bold promises, um, maybe you can walk us through, you know, the, kind of the, the argument there. Sure. So, so this book is really about laying a roadmap for business leaders and policymakers on what needs to be done with aviation on the African continent for aviation to take its proper place. Um, we believe, as you said, that aviation will change the face of Africa and Africa will change, or African aviation will change the face of aviation globally. Africa is 54 countries and 1.1 billion people. Now, if you compare that to India, India is also 1.1 billion people, um, but it's one country. Africa is fragmented. However, Africa has a very high urbanization rate. Uh, today, Africa has maybe three or four or five megacities. In 10 years, that's going to be about 15 megacities. Uh, the potential for export from Africa is tremendous. The, the potential for tourists from Africa is tremendous. You know, we often talk about tourists going to Africa, people going on safari, people going to enjoy the beaches of Africa. But we don't talk about the potential for African tourists around the world. And if you go to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and, you know, London, you will see tourists from Africa everywhere. So it's a two-way street, but we don't often talk about, you know, tourists from Africa. So the potential is tremendous. Exports from Africa. I'll give you a simple example, Mustafa. About 10 years ago, I was in, in Malawi, in Lelongwe, and we noticed a cargo aircraft coming in full medicine, food, electronics, everything. And it left completely empty. When we, when we inquired, we realized that there was no x-ray machine at the airport. And so by aviation regulation, you cannot export goods if they're not screened. So the aircraft left completely empty. A simple X-ray, $100,000, $200,000, would have changed the lives of farmers and other potential export uh, companies in the area of the airport. 
And of course, to, on the s- other to side. send back that plane full exactly. of their goods. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it's a two-way street. And I really believe that, you know, Africa can export a lot more, can, can, there's a lot more tourism both ways. Um, and, and with, with this growth rate, Africa will, will change and will change the face of aviation globally. So broader themes, um, in some African markets, you said it's fragmented so you can't, you, there's no generalization of Africa. There's different markets within it, but let's say a fast growing middle class is one of the, the common factors in many of these countries. Um, so there'll be more powerful spending coming out of there. As you said, people will want to travel. And then as businesses grow more entrepreneurs, um, there'll be more trade. So aviation is the, the key to to facilitating all of this and essentially, I guess, opening up Africa to the world and new markets. Um, And I can see that narrative, but how would the demand story in Africa change aviation is is a thing that's harder for me to see as perhaps not an expert like you. Well, as, as I was explaining, so we often think of tourists going to Africa but we don't think of tourists from Africa. We don't think of the potential of people from Africa in Dubai, in London, in Paris, in Turkey. These are, these are countries that are very well connected with Africa, but we always think of, all right, people going into Africa. And so once you have tourists from Africa going to other countries and experiencing other countries in large numbers, that will change obviously the the face of aviation globally because now you have a completely new market segment that is that is rising and that is taking advantage of or benefiting from aviation so and the same with the same goes with cargo by the way so you know uh, once once you're able to export goods from africa to other markets then suddenly all these markets can now benefit from what africa has to offer which is tremendous so if I make an example, um, in a way, uh, the UAE changed aviation over a period of two decades with p- promoting its hub model, where it transferred a lot of passengers and Dubai recently celebrated its billionth passenger mm-hmm. um, from you know Europe and elsewhere to Asia and Australasia and created that new m- model that then other countries or other hubs tried to emulate. So as, as from what I understand, you're saying that rising demand in Africa will change the, uh, the, the way aviation is, the posture of aviation, which at the moment is very much, I guess, uh, driven by Europe-Asia or Asia-Europe and, and with Africa in the mix as a serious player that suddenly changes the way aviation spread. Yes, and we often think of it as a one-way street. So into Africa. We're not thinking of out of Africa. So we, and we need yes, to, right. that's the narrative that we need to also be changing that there are tourists from Africa. There's export from Africa. Um, another, another thing is, you know, you touched upon the, the, you know, Dubai as being a hub, um, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Istanbul, Paris, London. These are, these are hubs that, that serve, Africa, but Africa does you know has a handful of hubs, Cairo, uh, Casablanca, um, Johannesburg, uh, Addis Ababa, more and more Abidjan and Nairobi. Those are really the the hubs uh, of Africa. It's only a handful, but I think you know within the next ten years you'll see a lot more 
uh, rise. And you know the, the, the challenges uh, in, of aviation in Africa are, which are highlighted in our book, um, also touch upon the fact that African aviation is dominated by international airlines, Emirates, Etihad, um, Turkish Airlines, British Airways, Air France, KLM, um, and what we what we what we need to see in order for us to really drive more uh, passengers in Africa and more cargo from Africa is to see the rise of uh, African airlines, those like Ethiopian, like South African, like Royal Air Maroc, like Air Cote d'Ivoire, um, that that can also serve passengers from Africa. Uh, you're the group CEO of National Aviation Services. You provide, you know, commercial cargo services between airports in Africa. You're also in India, Afghanistan, the Gulf too. And 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 forgive me for saying this because you know this might you know cut into the heart of your business. But I've heard it said that it's easier to get around Africa hub hubbing through an airport like Dubai than it is to go direct from one African country to another. That is exactly correct. So I, I experience this all the time as somebody that's traveling to Africa and within Africa, it is extremely difficult to travel within the continent. Why is that? So give you, I'll give you a simple example. Last summer I was in, in the Ivory Coast in Cote d'Ivoire uh, in, in, in the capital Abidjan where we have a very large operation. And I wanted to fly to Entebbe in Uganda uh, where we also have a large operation. Now, both of these countries are, are are large countries, big, you know, fairly large economies in Africa. There are no direct flights. There are no, there's no direct flight also from Abidjan to Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, which is also a large, where we have a large operation. You can't, it's, you can't fly direct. So you either have to fly to Rwanda uh, or to Ethiopia, to Addis or to Nairobi. Or what I did was I went on Turkish Airlines to Istanbul spent the night in Istanbul and then flew back flew back to into the continent extremely inefficient but that was the best available flight you know it, it's more expensive it's more inefficient if you're traveling within Europe you can do three cities probably in four or five days in Africa that's impossible you 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 it would take you you know maybe six or seven days to do those three cities because you have to fly to different places um is it, you're, what's you're, the, I mean, the challenge to a, a, an African airline champion, sort of dom, whether it's you know, South African's got its own problems, but Ethiopian or another airline, is there sort of a regulatory challenge? Is there because there are fifty four markets in Africa that it's so hard for one yes. airline to dominate? Yes, yes. So, in um, Afri African countries signed the Amsucro Agreement a few decades ago, um, which basically liberalized the aviation market on the continent to create one large aviation market. Take the barriers down. Let's have aviation grow. But the, the terms of that agreement were never implemented. Now this year uh, in 2018, another agreement was signed and it seems like it's a lot more promising. And it seems like countries have realized that aviation is not a luxury for the privileged few. It benefits everybody, whether you're you're a, a student, you want to go and study in another country, you're a tourist, you want to travel from one country to the next, you're a businessman or woman and you, you, you need to go to another country to do business or have a meeting, you want to attend a conference, you're a doctor, you're a college professor, 
you just for a simple family reunion. We all need aviation. Africa, the thing with Africa is aviation is extremely important because the terrain is very difficult to navigate on land. It's not easy to cross countries on the continent by land. You also have 12 or 13 landlocked countries like Rwanda and Malawi and Uganda. And so aviation is really the best way for people to 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 go around. Um, and so that is that is why we need to have the barriers taken down. We need to realize that aviation is not a privilege where governments can feel like they can tax the privileged few through aviation. It is something that underpins the entire economy. It's a very important sector that needs to be supported and grown. So what, what's National Aviation Services doing specifically to help that, mm-hmm. to, to, to help the advancement of you know, African aviation? So I think on a philosophical level, the message we're trying to send is that aviation is not just planes and airports. Aviation supports the entire economy. Think exports. Think integrated cargo ecosystems. Think connectivity, like you, you know, like the question you raised earlier. So it's not just fueling aircraft and putting people on and taking them from point A to point B. It's a lot more than that. The second thing is privatization. Privatization is very important. Some countries have privatized different components of their aviation ecosystem with tremendous, tremendously positive results. Cote d'Ivoire, for example, they've privatized the airport. If you go to Abidjan Airport, it is top, you know, it is world-class, really. You guys um, operate there? We operate in, okay. in, in Abidjan, yes. Um, different countries have have privatized different components and the, the results have almost always been extremely positive. The third thing I would say is governance. When you have the right governance, the, the different players in aviation can be successful. Ethiopian Airlines, for example. Ethiopian Airlines is state-owned. South African Airlines is state-owned. Kenyan Airways is state-owned. But Ethiopian Airlines is extremely successful. They, they, they turn a profit. They have an excellent service. They, they are very well connected to airports within Africa and globally. South African Airlines, for example, has been has been unprofitable and been a burden on the state for many, many years. Same with Kenyan Airways. They're both good airlines, but they're unprofitable. Why is that? Ethiopian Airlines has the right governance structure. If you look at their board, you'll see qualified technical people who separate the, the, the airline from the state. So the politics of Ethiopia as a country do not spill over into the airline. They are independent. The airline is run like an independent company with its own independence and its governance structure. So I would say these three things are critical. One, thinking beyond airports and aircraft. Number two, privatization. And number three, governance. And so the services that you provide, for, if we're talking about an opportunity point of view, you, your passenger services on the ground, cargo services on the ground, managing lounges for airports um, and, you know, a number of other support services for essentially the airport, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you're doing. Yes. Both air and land side. Yes. So our company, National Aviation Services, uh, NAS for short, is the largest airport services and ground handling company in Africa. Um, essentially, what we do is 
as a passenger, Mustafa, you come you come to the airport. The first place you go is check-in. The check-in staff would be our staff. You give them your bag, bag goes on a belt, it goes somewhere where you don't you don't know where it is. There are staff there that sort those bags. They you know, they put the bags for let's say BA flight 123 in a certain location. Uh, Emirates uh, four five six in a different location. Etihad seven eight nine in a different location. We sort those bags. Once once you finish check in, you go to the lounge. That'll be our staff that that manage the airport lounges, and we operate about forty lounges uh, around the world today. Once you, once once you, your your flight is called, you go to the gate. The gate staff is also our staff. You then take a bus to the aircraft. That would be our bus. You take the steps into the aircraft. That would be our steps. Before you get into the aircraft, someone has cleaned the aircraft. Someone has cleaned the toilets. That's your guys as well? That is all our staff that would have done that. You sit in your seat, you look out the window, you see your bags coming in on a on a tug. That would be our driver with our tug um, pulling the, the bags. They'd be loading the bags onto the aircraft. They would also do the weight and balance of the, air, the aircraft. Um, as you said, they also offload the cargo um, and they store it. We have different types of, of, of warehouses. They store the the cargo depending on the nature of the of the cargo. They load the cargo that needs to fly with the aircraft onto the aircraft. We then push back the aircraft, and then the the flight takes off. So that that that's the 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 entire spectrum of services that we do. So essentially, when airports are privatized, it gives the opportunity for yourself, your competitors, to come in and run these services, job creation on the ground, um, the principal benefit, but efficiency, a better experience, I assume, for customers both passengers and and people shipping cargo mm-hmm. and you know the reputation of a particular airport will grow better business links for that country so kind of there's a knock on effect mm-hmm. as as you as you go on it seems um you know the as you said the first experience of anyone of any country whether for tourism or business is going to be is going to be the airport experience absolutely we are the first person you would see when you land and probably the last person you'd see before you take off from a certain country so yeah, I, I want to touch on jobs. You know, in in Africa, many governments or most governments, uh, job creation is one of their key challenges, and it's what what I think keeps many African leaders up at night. And it should be. I mean, I think that's a that's a very valiant uh, um, objective. The th- aviation creates skilled jobs and transferable skills. So whether you work in ground handling in in Nairobi or in Paris, or in Seoul, Korea, the skills are very transferable. And so, and it's also a very labor intensive um, sector. So investing in aviation is essentially creating jobs for nationals and skilled jobs, which are very, very, very important. Privatizing, what it does is, it definitely improves quality, safety, security, creates accountability, and also generates revenue for the country. So everywhere where we operate, in every country where we operate, we pay a percent or a fixed fee, or a fixed fee to the government. So the government is generating revenue from us. In addition, because of our experience, we're able to create new services which the airlines want and need, which were not there in the past. And so, not only are we growing the size of the pie, but we're also giving the government a slice of that pie, which in essence is what every government is looking for. Uh, a lot of people out there would 
they, they run or own, you know, Gulf-based business, UAE, otherwise uh, will be thinking, you know, I'm in Africa or I'm looking at getting in Africa. Um, and you're, you're, a, you're a, essentially a Gulf business. You're backed by Kuwait's agility. You've been going for 10 years, more than 10 years, actually. You've been there 10 years, right? Um, and how does a Gulf company successfully compete in the 50 plus African markets? You know, how have you guys done it? So I think the first, the first, the first thing that differentiates us is that we are a company that is from emerging markets for emerging markets. We understand the certain that there are certain nuances that are very particular to emerging markets. What works in Europe doesn't necessarily work in Africa or in the Middle East. We understand that. You're flexible. We're flexible. Um, we're responsive. These are very important. We build relationships. We invest in relationships. In Africa, just like the Middle East, relationships are very, very, very important. You need to invest in them. Sometimes I fly into Africa just for a dinner and fly back. It takes me a day to get to a certain country, to attend a certain dinner with somebody and fly back. Because those relationships are absolutely critical. That's number one. Number two is we as a company are not affiliated with any government or with any airline. So what that means is we we serve all airlines equally and we view everything commercially. We are also not encumbered by government bureaucracy. Governments generally, so ground handling companies that are owned by governments, generally have very cumbersome administrative processes. We're agile, we're nimble, we're, we're small and growing. So we're able to be more responsive to countries that have a very high growth. When we went into Cote d'Ivoire, uh, the airport had 700,000 passengers. That's about four years ago. Today, it's touching on 2 million passengers. So that's 3x almost in almost four years. That means we needed to be extremely responsive in terms of our training, our staffing, our investment in equipment. Larger companies, government-owned companies are not able to do that. We are. And you have to invest as well to Absolutely. keep up, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and so how do you weigh up the investment decision? when it comes to th these opportunities. You get in there, you, it's fast growing, as you said, you're aware of that, you understand the market, but to go from 700,000 to 2 million in the space of four years means that you guys have to keep keep up with it too. Yes. So the, yes. You, the, the, the growth on you, the, your management team on the ground, your head office, there's got to be a, there's got to be a lot of pressure in that point. So yes, there is there is definitely financial pressure, but we are, we are a very financially disciplined company and we're very proud of that. Um, we believe that being financially disciplined, A, sustains us as a company, enables us to invest, but more importantly, it allows us to return money to the governments of the countries in which we operate. Because sometimes they take a percent either of our revenue or of our profit. So being financially disciplined allows us to share in that value creation with the government, with the country in which we operate. So that's very important for us. And technology? How does I mean? Everyone talks about the disruptive nature of technology. Are you seeing that on the ground in terms of your business? So, unfortunately, I believe that aviation is not the most innovative um, industry. Why and is that? I think that aviation is encumbered by a lot of security and safety regulations, and to change those are is it's just extremely painstaking, you know. So. And it's painstakingly that's slow. That's partly because of the potential risks, right? Absolutely. At, at play, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But 
you know, I, I think us as humans, we're extremely resilient. So I, I, I believe that there, we should be able to find ways to maintain the safety and security, but also be innovative uh, when it comes to aviation. Um, so I, I don't see, you know, all the innovation that you see in other sectors, I don't see it so much in aviation. And, and I believe that that's an unfortunate um, uh, reality. However, we are doing many things uh, in terms of uh, innovation, to be innovative in our particular subsector within aviation. Um, we recently spun off our, our airport technologies uh, division, created its own PNL, its own company. Um, and we are now serving third-party uh, ground handlers and airport service providers through the technologies that we've developed. Uh, so you do your NASA. own R&D? We do our own R&D, yes. Wow. That's, yes. that's that's intensive, both well, time and and capital. It, it it is, but we we needed that to serve our own operations. So we were developing these technologies to be used by NAS, and then we thought, well, we can we can license them to other companies so they can also benefit. So we are we do have a lot of clients that are small to medium sized airport service providers that are buying technology right. from us. So you're essentially servicing, uh, providing services to your competitors in a way, yes. right? Yes. So if, you, if they're operating in a market, then you can help them out with the technology. They don't necessarily have the scale to to, to bring that in. Yes. But w what kind of technology are we talking about here? So there's 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 a handful, right? So one of them is um, lounge management softwares. So you know if if you're a one-off um, manager of one lounge in one airport. You, you don't want to invest in a whole IT team to develop the, the the software that scans the boarding pass and then you know links it up with the airline and matches your name to the mm -hmm. to the flight and all the other stuff. So we, we'll we'll develop that and 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 sell that to you. All right. Another thing is, in the past, uh, ground handlers used to have a lot of paperwork under the aircraft where the with the airline rep. What services do you want? What services do you need? You know how long did we provide a certain service to you? How long did we provide a certain piece of equipment to you? That's all now automated for us. We do all of that on an iPad or you know on, on, on a smart device. We can track that you've used a certain piece of equipment for 17 minutes or 27 mm -hmm. minutes or whatever it is. Um, you know you added you asked for two extra staff members, you asked for this service or that service. and that's all now linked from the operation to our operational control center, from there to finance, to billing, to contracts. So the entire spectrum is now linked uh, in an automated way um, and in a completely integrated way. We also now ask our airline reps um, three or four questions at the end of every flight, and they can rank with five stars, four stars, three, two, or one. And that allows us then to manage our own performance and track where there are any gaps and and address those gaps uh, almost immediately. And uh, I mean, you you yourself are a regular business traveler. So do you inform the, the you know a little bit of the customer experience? Do you, do you, you you know you know what's good and what's not as a, as a passenger as much as anything? And how much does that come into play when when you guys are are planning new technologies? You're looking at expanding your services. You want to improve things. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, Dubai is trialing, I think, already this sort of non-intrusive. Um, security procedure where you walk through some kind of looks like an aquarium from the pictures, mm -hmm. but you walk through a tunnel, and you're not you're not having to to actually stop and 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 be searched and scanned. And do you think going forward, a that that's what passengers want, 
or do they feel a comfort in a high level of security presence? And as a business traveler, you know, where where do you see aviation going in terms of of, of these things and technology? So I want to say that I believe that the UAE generally is a leader when it comes to aviation in all facets. Um, the UAE has invested a lot in aviation, uh, in R&D for aviation, in, in building two airlines that are really leaders on the, on, on the world stage when it comes to aviation. Um, the Dubai Airport and the new Abu Dhabi Airport, I think will be, you know, they're both phenomenal when it comes to passenger experience, customer experience, airline experience, and so on. Um, I don't believe that passengers get a sense of comfort when they have intrusive and painstaking security processes. I think passengers are just annoyed. And some of the security procedures, in my view, are just unnecessary, really. Um, just to give you an example, uh, last week I was traveling with my with my wife and kids, and I was selected for a random search. Of all the people on the flight, why would you choose me with my wife and kids for a random search? I mean, that was, I, I thought it was totally inappropriate. You know, I think there are probably people that would be, you know, a yes. higher risk than a guy who's traveling think, with his think, wife and kids. You'd think so. Yeah. You'd so, hope so. So I, I don't think that these 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 painstaking security processes give people a sense of comfort. I think they're annoying. So I, I, I would welcome the 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 new security procedures in Dubai. And I and I hope that more and more airports adopt them uh, as soon as possible. And just to clarify, you didn't say where you were traveling or where you were going. No. So the airport will remain nameless. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, I mean to go back to your earlier point about um, in aviation in general, it takes a long time for things to change. So ultimately, it seems that we will get to a point where technology will be state of the art. Technology will be much more of a factor in both the cargo and passenger experience, but it will just take perhaps longer than in other industries. Yes, I believe so. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yes. But we're on that, we're on that graph. We'll, we'll get there at some point. I think there are, there are pockets of, of innovation and there are pockets of, of progress, but as a whole, I think it's, it's, it's slow. I mean, they often say in management that that progress in a company is not one person taking a thousand steps. It's a thousand people taking mm -hmm. one step. What we see is, you know, airports like Dubai taking a thousand steps, but all the other airports <laughs> are not moving forward. Um, whereas, you know, we need everybody to yeah. be taking a certain number of steps. Because then you have a huge disparity in Absolutely. experience, right? Absolutely. You need, you, it needs to be a certain amount of homogenization. Of Absolutely. The experience. Absolutely. And, and, and Hassan, how did you personally get into this business of um, aviation services? Is this something that you, you were working towards? No. So I, I was in mergers and acquisitions, corporate development. And um, I was asked to be the CEO of this company about 10 years ago. Um, and I accepted and I thought that I would do this for a couple of years and then move on to something else. And it's been, it's been 10 years now. It's been a very exciting journey. Um, I've loved every minute of it. And I think there's a lot more for us to do, uh, when it comes to aviation in emerging markets, 
and we're totally committed to, to accomplishing all of this. And the excitement, because you're definitely passionate about this. You say that maybe it was um, it, it wasn't planned, but you know, chance got you there. But you've 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 stayed in it. And is it what is it exactly that appeals specifically? Is it the fast growing nature of the business? Is it the people aspect of it? Is it the number of countries? Um, that keeps you you busy. I mean, or is it is it like meeting Didier Drogba and other <laughs> footballers, um, which I saw on your social media feed in in, in Ivory Coast? I mean, it, when it comes to to all these different um, aspects of it, 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 is it is it a thrilling thrilling career? So, I mean, obviously we are a private business, and you know, we 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 need to be profitable and turn a profit to our shareholders. That's one. That's that's a that's a given, um, but. In aviation, in what we're doing, you can see an impact almost immediately on the ground um, as a result of the of our efforts. So to go back to Cote d'Ivoire, for example, we, as I said, we started operations about four years ago. Last year, the FAA approved direct flights between Cote d'Ivoire and the United States. That for us was great. The number of passengers has more than tripled in the three, in the four years we've been there. That's big for Ivory Coast too. That's big for Ivory Coast. Um, we we launched in Uganda in in November of 2017. If you if you go to Uganda, if you go to Entebbe Airport today, the new equipment, the training of the staff, the smile on the staff's face, all of that, the passenger experience, it's amazing. Uh, last week, I got a message from a friend of mine, not related to aviation, traveling through Entebbe, sent me a picture of um, some of our operations in Entebbe and said, thank you so much. It's so much more organized today than it was this time last year. So these are things that you can see the impact right away. Liberia, we launched cargo operations also last year. The, the, you know, the, the, the way that cargo is handled, safety, the security, it's much better. The staff, the training, the equipment that we have, all of it so much better. Our new lounge in Cairo, um, is is something that has really changed the face of Cairo Airport. Anybody that goes through Cairo Airport and goes through our lounge there, you know, is, is extremely thankful for the quality of the food, the Wi-Fi, uh, the fact that they can charge their 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 devices almost anywhere, um, the comfortable seating, all of this, you you can feel the impact right away, um, and that's really one of the reasons why, or the main reason why, I'm still passionate about what we do. Hassan Al-Huri, Group CEO of National Aviation Services. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you very much, Mustafa. Well, that was this week's episode of The Business Extra. Before I say goodbye, let me tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And The Cricket Pod is where our experts shine a spotlight on the gentleman's game. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Find us as always at thenational.ae. All that remains is to thank our producer, Kevin Jeffers, as well as you, the audience. Do join us again next time.